for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome into the latest edition of the blue horseshoe podcast george bremer ryan hickey here with you george is really no other way to say it. water's wet the pope is catholic and the colts lose in jacksonville an embarrassing pathetic gutless performance on Sunday, the Colts get shut out by the Jags again. Third time since 2017, the Jacksonville Jaguars have shut the Colts out. There was 24-0 on Sunday. George, this was ugly. We both predicted the Colts to lose this game, so it's not like we're surprised of the outcome. But at least for me, I'll speak for myself, I'm still surprised about how ugly, how bad it truly was. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, I think I saw too many of the same errors that you saw a week ago, and I think that's the biggest thing here. Uh, they came out against Houston, and they were really flat, and you could see that, and they were able to rally in that one. Uh, but today, you know, the biggest, the only difference really between this week and last week is there was no fourth quarter rally. And uh, to me, you know, too many self-inflicted wounds. And I understand there's injuries and there, there, there were other things that affected this, but uh, not acceptable on any level. Uh, I think even Frank Wright called the performance pathetic, which, you know, when you hear that from him, uh, that's about as negative as he's ever going to get. Uh, a lot of accountability in that locker room, but, you know, words are, are not going to go very far right now. Uh, you should be 2-0. and You're standing here at 0-1-1. And, uh, you know, two weeks after your owner basically declared a new golden era on the verge of, of, of coming, uh, there's a better chance that, that you're going to have a top-five draft pick than that you're going to win the AFC South. Right, Colts fans, start watching if you haven't. Start watching a lot of Bryce Young. Start watching a lot of CJ Stroud because that could be absolutely a decision the Colts will be siding between here in a few months. But this loss, George, almost feels like it's like years in the making because you see the way they play. You see the lifelessness, their deficiencies. This loss, I think, is specifically on two men's shoulders, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. Let's start with Chris Ballard because we have talked right all training camp the question marks we have at receiver, the question marks we have about the offensive line at left tackle and right guard. We've talked about, you know, questions when it comes to even the defensive line. You know, they made some improvements, but can they get after the quarterback after really struggling to sat the quarterback last year? That's a big area where that really hurt them down the stretch. And right now, every single question we had is getting answered in, a, in the worst way possible. Everything Chris Ballard so far has gambled on. Receiver, line, defensive line. All failed, all coming up zeros right now, and that was a culmination. And really, what was was shown, um, or was magnified, I should say, on Sunday in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, every weakness that, that you can imagine that, that you were worried about coming in has cost this team from the kicker last week to the left yep. tackle to the wide receiver position. I mean, without Michael Pittman today, they just were not able to get open, they were not able to make plays, and I think. You know, compounding that, none of the, the the difference makers you brought in to kind of change things have have, have been difference makers. I mean, uh, Unique Ngakwe really hasn't had an impact play yet. Uh, Matt Ryan was not able to raise the level of play the guys around him the way that you would want a veteran quarterback to do. Uh, the defense in general, you know, no explosive plays. I don't think I don't think they had a sack today. They definitely didn't have a turnover today. Uh, you know, this is a defense that thrives on those big plays, and they haven't been making them at all this year against two teams that you would think they would be able to get some of that started. Uh, again, you know, every weakness has been magnified, and every supposed strength has been non-existent. And it's it's easier said, right, in hindsight, but these all of these areas that have been a concern. It's not a shock. It's kind of almost predictable that right now things are going the wrong way. Like you said, you know, Chris Bowden had an opportunity this offseason to be short the left tackle spot, took a gamble on Matt Pryor and 
kind of a project in Bernard Ryman and out of the draft. Uh, wide receiver, you had an opportunity, whether it's for a trade, whether it's, you know, uh, free agency. They stood pat, thought, you know what, we're going to roll the dice on Alec Pierce. We're going to hope Paris Campbell is healthy and actually productive. We're going to expect a bigger role from Ashton Doolin to step up. Uh, and they'll be okay outside of Michael Pittman Jr. We've seen that to be not the case. And like you said, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, George, me and you on Sunday could have been back there on the pocket, looked clean, didn't get hit. They had two quarterback hits the entire game. Trevor Lawrence is not sacked once. He could have made a sandwich in the pocket, so had plenty of time to throw the ball. You're right. Every single area that had an opportunity to, to get improved, um, Chris Ballard did not do. And right now is killing this team. And it's frustrating because we, on paper, this should be a this is a good team or should be a good team. And right now, through the first two weeks, they are just getting killed by the you know their own mistakes and also too by guys not lifting up their weight. They just lack of execution. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, they're not making plays on either right. side of the ball. I mean, today, um, you know, I I really can't point to to anybody on offense or defense who came out and and really deserves a lot of credit. Uh, maybe Grover Stewart, once again, you know, he's been a monster in the middle, uh, but that's not enough. That's not going to get it done. I don't put much blame on on Jonathan Taylor for this. He, he did what he could do. He pretty right. much got taken out of the game plan. Uh, you know, you don't really, but the other 51 guys, you know, I, I don't know. It felt like all day long they were waiting for that one guy to step up, make a play that was going to turn around like EJ Speed did in the fourth quarter uh, last week, and it never happened. And, you know, and nothing that happened out there. I, I don't – there's there's no way to look at this and spin it as anything but completely unacceptable. And it goes now to the next point of the other guy that deserves a lot of blame for this loss and right now this 0-1-1 start. It is Frank Reich. This is now a habit, right? We have seen now Frank Reich be at the helms in 2018. And really outside of 2020, um, when they got off to a good start with Phillip Rivers, this has been a notoriously, and even 2019, a notoriously slow-starting team more times than not. And now here we are again. We've talked about the urgency to get off to a hot start. We've talked about the opportunity for the Colts with five division games in the first seven um, games of the season to get out to a hot start, take a commanding lead of the division, and then all of a sudden kind of start to build your playoff run in the second half of the season when you take care of your division first. And right now this team looks lifeless. This team is not, you know, there's not a lot of creativity on an offense. And I don't know what is with Frank Reichen and what's changed, but I even feel like his the way he's developed the quarterback position. He's gotten a lot out of Andrew Luck. He's gotten a lot out of Philip Rivers. Uh, Philip Rivers. Even Jacoby Brissett the first half of the year. And now you're seeing it's almost regression, whether it's with Carson Wentz last year. And now Matt Ryan does not look very good whatsoever. I know some of it's, you know, uh, stuff around him. But Frank Reich as well. When we talked about the importance of a, a hot start, you absolutely cannot get off to an 0 one one start like they have. And you can't look as lifeless and as dead as they are. Like To lose a game is one thing. I mean, George, they didn't show you anything. They, they gave you no reason to believe or no reason to feel inspired whatsoever. No, and I, it starts with the offensive line. I mean, we, yes. we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, when the offensive line is good, this team's good. And when the offensive line is not good, this team is not good. And they've not been good for two weeks. And I, I don't know what, you know, I, look. Play calling, fine. You know, everybody deserves their fair share of, of the blame. I, nobody, this was a total organizational failure. Nobody should feel like they're, they're you know, going to escape this. Right. But at the same time, I don't know what play you're going to call today that was going to work. There was no time for the quarterback. There were no lanes for the running back until the game was over and the Jaguars really didn't care if they ran the football. You can't 
you can't survive that way. And again, nobody stepping up and making plays, but also no creativity. You know, I thought they, they needed to come out and do tempo early today. They didn't really until right there in the two minute drill in the first half. Uh, they needed to find ways to, to get the ball out quick. You know, one thing Jacksonville was doing early on, and it really slowed down that Colts pass rush from the very beginning, three step drops, get the ball out right away. Well, that means your quarterback has to be executing. That means your receivers have to be winning early in the down. None of that was happening on the cold side of the, of the field again. And, you, you can't live that way. You knew it was going to be a struggle as soon as you found out that Michael Pittman was going to play this week. I mean, I don't think anybody uh, really celebrated much as soon as you heard that because you knew how, how dependent this passing game was on him. But I think it was far than probably even the worst fears were going in. And that's it too, because you're right. Like we had questions and okay, you know, you know, there's going to be some growing pains and especially when you now are asking guys basically outside of Michael Pittman Jr. to uh, fill roles that they've never really been asked to fill before you. Right? You're going to get some growing pains. It's going to be tough for everyone to kind of contribute. But the fact that, George, no one, like literally no one contributed, no one made a play, it's it's frustrating. It's maddening because everyone's getting the opportunities. Matt Ryan spread the ball out. You know, he's giving guys a chance, whether it's Molly Cox, whether it's Ashton Doolin. You know, Mike Strawn had a few passes here. He's really the only one who actually consistently made a play or two. But, again, by the point they started even targeting him, he was already over already. It's been in a situation where, you know, Paris Campbell, I don't, did he even get a target today? I feel like I barely saw him on the field. So it's like, you know, you are having opportunities now where your number's getting called. It's, that's the motto of football, right? Next man up. And right now it's like the next man down because every single guy the Colts have been asked to rely on in one way or another, offensive defense, they've failed. They've absolutely failed. That's why it goes back to Frank Reich and, and Chris Ballard on this loss. I give Ashton Dillon some credit. I thought he made some, some really tough catches and, and, survived some pretty tough hits out there uh, a couple times. I know two in a row where he got really drilled and, and held onto the ball. Uh, but yeah, there, it wasn't enough and you didn't have enough guys doing it. You know, it, it can't just be one guy uh, with five catches for 79 yards or whatever that number was that, that Ashton Doolin picked up. If that happens and it's in support of Michael Pittman, or if it happens and it's in support of a big game from Paris Campbell or a big running day from, from Jonathan Taylor, we're probably much more excited about him having a breakout game. If it happens in a day you get shut out, you know, tree falls in the forest. Does anyone hear it? Does it make a sound? Uh, it's sort of that, that way. I, I don't know. They just didn't have anybody step up, put the team on their shoulders and say, this is unacceptable. We're going to turn it around right now. And the result is out there on the field for all to see. Right. And oh, one and one star against two teams. You are clearly better than in the Jaguars and the Texans. And going back to, to your point, like, I think one, I, I at least had one of the reasons why I was optimistic going this year and I thought the Colts were going to win this division is a part you bring in Matt Ryan, who's an experienced vet who can kind of raise the ceiling of guys that have been unproven. But also, too, we have seen in the past Frank Reich be able to put guys in positions to succeed, whether it's, you know, getting them in space, whether it's creative ways to get them the ball and just make a play. And it feels like, especially so far through the really for seven out of the eight quarters of the season so far, George, or really, I guess if you want to count overtime, too, eight out of the nine quarters so far of this season. It hasn't been that. Like, it's been a lot of contested catches. It's been situations where, you know, receivers, tight ends can't get any sort of separation. And there's really no creativity in the offense. I get sure the offense line is a problem and the Matt Ryan is a lot of time. But also then figure out a way to to throw the slow down the, the Jaguars pass rush. It's not a surprise and it's not a, a, an accident. Going into this game, you knew Josh Allen especially was going to be a guy that was going to terrorize the Colts. He had two sacks early on in the game beat Matt Pryor like a drum. Like, obviously, you know that's going to be an issue. And it, for me, watching especially today, it did not feel like Frank Reich was either ready kind of for, for some of the uh, the bumps on the road that came away and had no 
any sort of answer to counter what they were doing. And that's frustrating because we have seen him in the past have answers and be able to counter whatever other defenses are doing. And it doesn't feel like that, especially this year so far, that to be the case whatsoever. Again, it comes down to execution. They have max protection out there a lot of times. They double teamed him a couple of times. If people aren't yeah. making plays. It doesn't matter what you call. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Uh, you know, when Ryan Kelly gets caught on the one where Allen came right up the middle, they all, Kelly included, crashed down to the other side, left a yep. gaping hole up the middle, and Josh Allen comes up and, and destroys Matt Ryan and, and, you know, kills one of those early drives where they have the ball at the 40 down down seven, and you're thinking, okay, now there's a chance. You get back-to-back drives down seven to nothing. You get the ball at your own 40. Somebody make a play, and both times they let Josh Allen blow up that those drives, and they end up punting the ball away, and it felt like, honestly, they lost the game right there. I mean, that was your moment to go in and, and maybe turn things around, and they weren't able to do it. And, you know, is it on the head coach? Yeah. I mean, when you could be 24 to nothing, it's on the head coach. There's no question about it. Uh, but it's also coming down to these players. They've got to execute what's out there. And they there was just zero execution today. For, uh, to wrap up this this first part here, George, I want to ask you this, because you were in the locker room after the game. Obviously, we've talked a lot about the streak in Jacksonville. It's been since 2014. The Colts have not won there. Did you get a sense after the game that players were kind of had that in their head? And kind of, you know, we're thinking about that going into this game or not really just got beat by a better team. No, I mean, it, it's just not the way the NFL works. They can't really think that way. You know what I mean? It just doesn't. It just doesn't operate that way. It's a one play at a time league. You, you, this play happens. You put it out of your head and, and you go on to the next one. If you don't, you're going to even worse shape than they are right now. Uh, but it just doesn't matter. They're just getting whipped. And I think that's, you know. The bottom line, what what there is right now down there is is almost uh, a sense of shock. I mean, I, they did not expect this outcome in any way, shape, or form, and they feel like they've had good practices. They feel like they've had good preparation coming in, and it's not showing up on the field. That's what you heard from everybody in that locker room today: is that hey, we had a great week of practice. We we, we were prepared coming in, and yet when it's time to go out on the field and make plays. You see the result. It's not happening. And that's frustrating because Frank Reich was talking after the game, George, like you said, he mentioned, you know, he called it, you know, they had a great practice this week. And he said, too, that where the Colts are right now, where they have to go, he doesn't think the, the gap is out wide. Well, I'll tell you this, watching this so far, the first two games, I feel like there's an Atlantic Ocean-sized gap right now between where the Colts currently are and where they should be or trying to go. Because this team, like you said, we can go up and down the list. And really outside of Jonathan Taylor – there's really not another player or area you feel good about. And if you have questions and concerns and holes on the offensive line, at receiver, at tight end, you know, the defensive line, linebacker, well, how what is Frank Reich looking at in practice or the game where he thinks this team is, is close to a breakthrough when you can go up and down the list and there's more guys – or it, it would save us a lot of time, I should say, if we just highlight the two or three guys that are playing well compared to pulling out all the guys that are playing poorly because it's basically 95% of the team so far. I think what he's referring to there are all the self-inflicted wounds. I mean, I thought that first trip to the red zone just absolutely summed up the game all in one drive. You get down to the five-yard line, Mo Ali Cox can't get his foot in, so you don't get a touchdown on first down when you should have. And not that this is going to turn the game around, but it was indicative of what was happening all day. Then you get a couple penalties, and the drive somehow ends up with a chaotic incompletion from the 13. There wasn't a whole lot that Jacksonville did on that drive that caused that. It was a lot of things that the Colts did to themselves, shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly. And I think that's what Frank Reich's talking about. The problem is, from a fan standpoint, from an outside standpoint, you've heard that too much. It's happened too much. This is year five of this regime, right. and it's still happening. So 
you know, that that's where they're at. I mean, I think that's why they feel that way. They, they feel like if they get out of their own way, you could see a lot of improvement in, in a hurry. And I think you saw it in the fourth quarter against Houston. It's not so much theoretical. It's true. If they do get out of their own way, they'll look a lot better in a hurry. But I don't know what evidence you have right now that they're going to get out of their own way. And you know what that sounds like to me, George? That almost sounds like an indictment of leadership in a way, because mm-hmm. when, especially when we talk about self-inflicted wounds, like this is not a, a Texans team or even a Jaguars team that is young. That's like a rebuilding team that has a lot of young guys kind of working through it. And you know the youngsters are going to make a lot of mistakes because they haven't don't have the experience. You have the experience, Cordic. You went out of your way to get rid of Carson Wentz last year or this offseason without having any sort of answer, locking your way into Matt Ryan who's a veteran who is supposed to bring that leadership and kind of be the adult in the room, if you will. You have veterans on the offensive line that have been through a ton. You have Jonathan Taylor, who's still young, but you know is, a, is a supposed to be a good leader. Again, is very experienced so far through the first three years. You brought in Yannick Igakwe. I know Shaquille Leonard's not on the field right now for the first two games. That's a, a leadership guy. You have you know vets in the secondary. Like, you have plenty of older leader, uh, veterans that should be kind of leading the way and should be preventing all of these now self-inflicted wounds and all these, you know, self-caused mistakes. And for two games, like we're talking about this team, like they're one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And it's just a big indictment on the leadership so far, what we're seeing, or really I should say the lack thereof. And I think it goes back to the on the field product again. You know, I think they are leading in the locker room. They are saying the right things, but who's going out there and making a play on Sunday? Who's going out there in the game and making that play that people can rally behind? You know, and some of the leaders are the guys making the mistakes. So you just can't overcome that. I mean, one thing about this league, there is no, you know, directional school. There is no take the week off, pay the opponent a million dollars for a win. It doesn't exist in the NFL. If you come out the way the Colts have the first two weeks, you're going to get the results that they've gotten. You know, you pay for your mistakes in this league, no matter who you're playing. You pay for lack of execution and you pay for bad situational football, which again was the case. I mean, I think they were two for 10 on third down, which is completely pathetic. I mean, no no one's going to look at that and feel like there's, there's any excuse for that. And they were 0 for 2 in the red zone. And again, it doesn't change the outcome. I don't think that those two things alone are why they lost 24 to nothing. A, A week ago, situational football was the reason they tied instead of one. But when you come back out and you have those same mistakes again this week, against a better football team, mind you. I think Jacksonville's a much better football team this year than Houston is, uh, but still not a team that that you should be losing to by 24 points without scoring a point on the road. Offense has been a big concern so far, George. You mentioned the red zone. Let's get to that when we return here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. How much blame so far, especially on Sunday, does Matt Ryan deserve for the Colts getting shut out for the third time since 2003? All three of those times have come to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who yet again in Jacksonville look like the 1985 Bears on steroids. We'll get into how much blame Matt Ryan does deserve when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. Back here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod, make sure to subscribe and download wherever you get your pods. Colts now drop to 0-1-1 in the season, 24-0 loss to the Jaguars on Sunday. Not a very good day for Matt Ryan whatsoever, George. 60-30, 195 yards, three picks, sacked five times. And I'll be honest, George, I Matt Ryan, I think, in week number one, he definitely deserves more of a pass because I think he was more let down uh, by the players around him. And um, and until really the fourth quarter is really only inspiration they had. Um, where this week, week number two, I think a lot of blame is on him. He, he was flat out bad. And honestly, I thought the game was over or the, it was telling of the day 
first drive, that awful pick he threw, just kind of throwing it out there, misreading the coverage, giving the Jaguars an easy gimme. That's a throw you can't make. That's a throw and a drive really with so much importance for the Colts to get off to a good start. You can't be turned the football over on that throw right there and then set the tone for what was going to be the rest of just a, an awful day for the Colts. Yeah, first of all, I don't think the throw was on him. It was on Ashton Doolin. Miscommunication, once again, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Uh, Frank Reich pretty much said that right away when, when we got down there. Uh, but it, that doesn't change the fact that it was a bad day and bad decision. I mean, I don't know if you throw that ball at all anyway in that situation, given given where they were at uh, that early in the game and, and what it could possibly do in, in terms of momentum. I think you almost just take the sack there, in my mind. Uh, I don't know there was even a reason to try to, to force anything, uh, miscommunication or not. Uh, but, yeah, in the end of the day, he's not good enough. I mean, that's, you have to, as a veteran quarterback, you've got to overcome all these errors that are going on. That's your job. That's why they're the highest-paid guys in the league. That's why it's the most important position in the league. Uh, we saw Andrew Luck do it again and again and again and again when he was here. Uh, Philip Rivers did it you know, later in the year after he kind of got used to everybody and, and, and was here long enough to kind of get comfortable in that role. And that's part of what we're seeing right now, too. I mean, I think when you see miscommunication like that early – you got to remember, these guys have not been together. But the fact is, your veteran quarterback has to overcome those things. He's got to be able to bounce back and say, okay, you know what, that didn't go well, but we've got the ball at the 40 on consecutive drives after this, and we've got to put some points on the board. We've got to make a play. Right. Offensive line struggling, got to find a way to make a play. Young receivers are struggling, got to find a way to make a play. Your quarterback has to be the guy that changes those things. He has to be the guy that overcomes everything else. That's that's the NFL. That's why these guys are the most important guys in the league. You know what I mean? So you can make whatever excuse you want. Okay, well, this wasn't on him or that wasn't on him or whatever. That's fine. It can even be factual. At the end of the day, your quarterback has to be the guy who steps up and gets you going on a game, on a day like this. You're 100% right, George. That's a frustrating part of Matt Ryan so far through the first two weeks because, again, I think part of the gamble that, is, that has failed. So it's on Chris Ballard. Don't get me wrong. I'm not giving him a pass here. But I think at least to understand the logic that Chris Ballard had this offseason, where he really kind of played it coy when it came to left tackle and especially receiver, um, and did not you know get any high priced uh, free agents or try to swing any trades, and in part you know is taking a chance on unproven guys. I think in part because he thought Matt Ryan can elevate the ceiling of these young guys and kind of carry them with him and teach them, you know, the so, you know where to be and kind of get the most out of them. And, and right now. It's the opposite. Like you said, you know, that miscommunication, it may may have well been on Ashton Doolin's fault and his fault only. But also, too, it's like, I know it's only week two, but you had all training camp. You had OTAs to iron these things out. Like, as a veteran, you have to make sure your guys are in the right position and that you trust that your receiver in that spot is going to run the same route. You guys see the same thing. And that is where so far through two two weeks, we've not seen either Matt Ryan or these Colts, you know, playmakers do, you know, help each other out. Because in part, they're just not on the same page consistently. And that's frustrating because everything they have done this offseason up to this point was built on making sure these mistakes don't happen in the regular season. And we are still seeing them happen now after week number two. Yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to somebody on the field has to step up, make a play. And that's usually your quarterback. I mean, more often than not, he's going to be the guy that comes out there and fires a ball in there. And, and now you get things rolling. They can't do it. You know what I mean? It's not happening. And, you know, I think on that play in particular, it was one that Doolin hasn't run a lot. It was one that it's it's a, it's one of the factors of Michael Pittman not being here today. He's running a play that Pittman would have been running. It doesn't matter. It's the NFL. Nobody cares. I think right. that's, that's the bottom line. You know, and then the players and the coaches say it all the time. 
nobody cares in this league. There are no excuses. Nobody feels sorry for you. You know, you got to get the job done. And two weeks now, the Colts have not done that. They've absolutely not. And now that leads to a situation where one of the errors we were talking about, George, right? In order to come into this game, we thought, all right, how can you kind of get the offense going? How can you, especially when you're relying on inexperienced players, how can you make it easy for them? Well, one thing we talked about was tempo. We saw in the fourth quarter of week one against the Texans, the Colts scored 17 points in the fourth quarter and were up tempo, we're moving the ball, you know, run some no huddle offense, and they're able to run and pass out of it. And we said going to week two, that should be a situation where the Colts doing more than just outside of the two-minute drill. And we didn't see really any tempo outside of the two-minute drill. Now, on a day like today, it probably didn't matter because the Colts were just awful and everything. And even the two-minute drill they did run uh, resulted in no points. But I was shocked. Shocked that there wasn't more of a sense of urgency, more up-tempo offense, because that was really the only time this Colts offense was in a groove and looking good was when they were kind of pushing the pace in week number one and they didn't do it at all in week number two. I think it's a big mistake. Yeah, and I think it's one way when you look lifeless, that's sometimes one way to kind of inject you know, a little right. bit of artificial uh, urgency into the game, if nothing else. Uh, get, but, you know, you saw one of the biggest things today, so many alignment problems. You want to talk about one of the things that falls on the coaching staff. There were at least two and I think maybe three penalties for illegal formation where guys just weren't lined up where they needed to be. And one of them happened during that two-minute drill. Looked like early on, hey, look, here they go. They're going tempo. They're starting to get a little bit going. Uh, got a couple of gains, started to move the ball a little bit. And then Mike Strawn you know, lined up in the wrong spot and they went backwards and, you know, the drive imploded as, as every drive did today. Um, you know, should they have gone tempo earlier? I, I'm on record as saying that before the game. So yep. of course I, I, I believe that. Uh, but again, I don't know that it matters at this point. Like you said, I don't know it's going to make a difference when you're not doing a little, if you can't get lined up, if you can't block the other team, does it matter your pace. I mean, at this point, there's such basic fundamental things that need to improve with this football team that it almost feels like, you know, we're doing high school calculus and and they're in like fourth grade math. And that's again, good to go back to Frank Reich and to go back to Matt Ryan. Like these are, you know, this is a a veteran, obviously coach who's supposed to have these guys, whether it's the fourth string guy coming up now and, and, you know, trying to replace your number one guy or, and, and you're having your veteran quarterback. I know it's his first year here, but you have to make sure, even like you said, these smallest things, George, getting lined up in the right spot, getting set, knowing where you're supposed to be, like that can't happen. And it's right now happening. Again, it falls on the shoulders of Matt Ryan for not having his guys ready. That's he should know as a veteran who's been well documented all throughout training camp. He's yelled at, you know, the receivers. He's not been afraid. He's basically been that coach on the field. I think uh, when Alec Pierce joined us, he called him the general. He felt like he was like a general on the field. And with Frank Reich, you have to make sure that the guys know where to go. And if you also need your general on the field to make sure everyone's lined up right. And that's an air, another area where, like you mentioned, it kills drives, it pushes them back, and it ruins any sort of momentum they had. Yeah. And again, and that's why to me, like, yeah, the play calling needs to improve. You can maybe run some tempo and get some life into it. There's a lot of things that need to improve, but none of it's going to make a difference until you get the basics down, until you're where you need to be, until the play's blocked properly. I don't know that anything else is going to suddenly improve without those things coming first. And another situation, or I should say another game where the Colts red zone offense struggles. They're two of five in Houston week one. Oh, of two, they barely got in the red zone. And when they did, it was, it was just a trade rack for both possessions. They got in there over two. And now we've talked about the importance where the Colts were in 19th in the NFL last year in red zone efficiency. Um, 
2021. This year, now they're just two of seven, scoring a touchdown 29% of the time they are in the red zone. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. And it's another area where we're sitting here looking at a winless football team through two weeks. And again, down to execution. I mean, last yes. week, two drop touchdown passes. Everything goes right. Okay, one drop touchdown pass and one pass that probably should have been caught that a great defensive play helped, you know, to, to end up on the ground. This week, it's not a drop, but Mo Cox can't get that second foot in. You know, again, you've got a touchdown. It's not going to make a difference in this football game, but it is going to. they should be probably five of seven in the red zone right now, and they're two of seven. And it's indicative of what's going on across the board. Little self-inflicted mistakes that cannot continue to happen. You cannot – and then you've got to overcome them. You know, again, those are three plays down in the red zone uh, that could make a big difference, but they weren't – none of them were a fourth down play. None of them were – I think they were all first or second down, and you're not able to come back on that drive and overcome it. I think that's the other problem that we're seeing right now. A lot of what's going wrong in the red zone – is a microcosm of what's going on all over the field. And right now they're not able to erase mistakes. They're not able to have a holding penalty and still come back and get back in front of the, the, the marker on that drive. They're not able to, you know, have a sack and overcome it. it, it you have to do that in this league. And they talk about it all the time. You're going to face adversity. That doesn't just mean game to game. You're going to face adversity within a drive because the best players in the world are out here and they're going to do that to you. And you've got to be able to, to shake it off and come back and, and finish things. And they've not been able to do that in the red zone. They've not been able to do it anywhere on the field. And that's why you have an offense right now that's, quite frankly, sputtering. I know they had 500 yards last week, but they were not able to finish. So it didn't really, you know, 500 yards of 20 points is a pretty empty victory for you. And then today, you don't even put a point on the board. You don't, you're not averaging 10 points a game. You're going to get the number one overall pick. That's what that. That's where that road ends. You know, you've got to get better in a hurry in that road in that area. You're 100 right, and like you said, it's just you don't have to go any further and sum up right now. If you want to sum up the Colts' struggles, is that point to the red zone because it's been execution. It's also been their own mental mistakes, their own physical mistakes that are right now kind of self-inflicted that have just totally, totally killed this team. It's been awful to watch, and like you said, just frankly, should not be happening. Should not be happening right now, but it has happened too often. And look, when you look, Chiefs are coming to town next week. The Titans are coming to town in two weeks. You're playing the Broncos in a little bit. I mean, you tied one game against the Texans who stink, and you got smoked by the Jaguars for a better team. I mean, they're going to get run out of the building if they don't fix these mistakes soon because you're right. The Colts right now don't have enough talent or not a good enough team to overcome mistakes. They need breaks to go their way. Some teams are still able to overcome those mistakes and overcome some breaks that go the other way and still win the game. Colts are nowhere near at a skill level right now to be able to have a setback, like you mentioned, a holding call, a drop pass, and be able to overcome it and still persevere through and get a touchdown and finish a drive of points or win the game. They're not good enough right now when things don't go their way. Um, and that's scary because, like you know, most breaks don't go your way in the NFL. And if they do, more times than not, it's luck than anything else. So it is right now not a, a very good uh, two weeks for the Colts, to say the least. We talked a lot about the offense, George. How about we hit on the defense? Because Gus Bradley's defense, I think, is anything but inspiring so far through two weeks. We'll discuss our, our initial takeaways again. Colts get shut out by the Jags, 24-0 to fall to 0-1-1. We'll hit on Gus Bradley's defense when the Blue Ocean Pod returns. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville against the Colts. 
He looks, I mean, he looks like the best quarterback in NFL history. He looks better than Joe Montana. He looks as good as Tom Brady. This guy is the last two games uh, the Colts have got in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has been tremendous. He carved the Colts up yet again. A very efficient day for the former number one overall pick. 25 out of 30, 235 yards, two touchdowns, no sacks, two quarterback hits. That's it. Two quarterback hits, George, on Trevor Lawrence. You followed that up with the Week 18 game last year. We went 23-32, 233 yards, two touchdowns. He has been efficient. He has had his two best games easily of his NFL career. I get to Colts in Week 18 and now again in Week 2. Yeah, they're just making it too easy on him. I mean, Jacksonville really just three-step drops and get get rid of the ball really quickly, throwing it underneath the zone. Uh, and the Colts never really were able to adjust to that. And I think in a lot of ways it's weird. Because in a lot of ways, the defense was doing what it's supposed to do. And there were long drives by the Jaguars. Uh, that first scoring drive, I think, was 14 plays or something like that. Uh, you know, they, they were making them take the long way. But what you're not getting from this defense right now, and you absolutely have to get if it's going to be effective in any way, is any kind of splash play. No sacks. You just mentioned that. Zero sacks. Only two quarterback hits. You're not really getting any pressure on the quarterback at all. That's not No defense scheme is going to work with that. But no turnovers. You know, and that's this defense has lived off of those juice plays, those big fumbles. You know, it turned around last week when they knocked the ball out and, and got the fumble recovery, and that's really jump-started the comeback against the Texans. This week, none of that. No fumbles, no, no, really, nothing really close. There were a couple of, of, of passes they got their hands on. Julian Blackman, Stephon Gilmore maybe had a, a shot at interceptions there, but they're not able to pull them in. Uh, and those are the only two I can think of that were really even defensed by the Colts. You know, everything right. else was pretty much uh, a pretty easy pitch and catch situation. And it, that's, this defense is not going to go anywhere until they start making splash plays. And that starts with pressure on the quarterback. You know, the sack is, is the biggest one they can make. Uh, but if you're not forcing turnovers and you're not putting the quarterback on the ground, the result's going to be exactly what you saw today. And obviously the return of Shaquille Leonard is going to help, you know, make splash plays more frequent. Obviously he's going to help turn around and change that entire defense. But to your point, through two games with the Gus Bradley system so far, it seems like this Colts defense, like you said, is turnover reliant. Like you mentioned, the, the Jags went right down the field um, and they had long drives, even the Texans too. Like they weren't too many big plays or busted coverages or, you know, two play 75 yard drives. The Colts, in one sense, are making them earn it and, and, and a bend but don't break. But at the same time, that also means that you've had in a certain drive two, three, four chances to get off the field. And those two, three, or four times in a drive, you're not getting the job done. You're not getting off the field. You're not getting a third down stop. And it's like when you are so reliant on getting a pick, getting a strip sack, or, or you know, or forcing a turnover to get off the field, that's not sustainable. That's not like you can do it for a year. We saw the Colts do that last year. You cannot make your way of life on defense basically being turnover or bust. That's going to get the Colts blown out in a lot of these games this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at what what just happened with Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence, and now you got Patrick Mahomes coming in, and yeah. you know, what what's he going to do if you give him those kind of opportunities? Uh, they've got to be better on third down, first and foremost, both sides of the ball. You know, it comes back to situational football, and it always does. I mean, you find any team that's struggling, I almost guarantee you, situational football does not look good for them, and both sides of the ball right now. They've got to get the other team off the field. Jacksonville, I think they ended up like six of 15 or something because they were basically just running the ball and running the clock out there at the end. But when it mattered, at least at one point, I think they were six of nine on third down. 
that's completely unacceptable. And it goes back to splash plays. When we talk about splash plays, yeah, sacks are splash plays, turnovers are splash plays, but so are third down stops. You know, just yep. getting out there and getting your hand on a ball or rushing the, the quarterback or, you know, making a tackle for a loss, whatever it takes to get off the field, they're not doing it. And it, again, I think, you know, at the very top of the show, we were talking about like, what the heck is Frank Reich mean when he says that the gap is not that great? That's what he's talking about. The gap from where they are right now to where they need to be is a gigantic ocean. There's no question about that. But the gap in their play, situational football. Get a couple third down conversions. Get the other team off the field on third down a couple times. Mix in a splash play on offense, a splash play in defense here and there. The improvement would be tremendous very, very quickly. The problem is for two weeks, there's been no movement in that regard whatsoever. And two, when you look at like, speaking of trying to get off third down, right? we've seen, especially in the system, you know, Gus Bradley's not going to blitz a lot. So you're really relying on the front four to get home. And so far, outside of Quiddy Pay's, you know, dominant game against the Texans, Colts have not done so. And so when you're rushing four or five guys on a certain play and you're not getting home, well, any quarterback, like, again, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence, who has a lot of potential, but so far, outside of two games he's played in Jacksonville against the Colts, he has looked more bad than good. Davis Mills is, a you know, an up-and-coming guy, but you think the Texans are going to move on probably next year to get another guy. So two eh, quarterbacks right now you're facing – and they are just efficient. They're making plays. They're keeping drives alive. They're converting third down to third down because they have all the time in the world. Again, two hits on Trevor Lawrence today. That's it. No sacks, two quarterback hits. When you don't have to fear the rush, when you have time to make a throw, even the worst quarterbacks in the NFL are going to make plays and they're going to burn you. And if you are so reliant on getting after the quarterback with your four guys on your defensive line and it's not happening, it's almost impossible then to be, you know, sitting back there in coverage for four or five, six seconds and expecting to make stop after stop. It's not going to happen. And there were a couple of times where you saw not very many, but there were a couple of times out there where they flushed him from the pocket yes. and exactly what you were talking about happened. Nobody was able to go and, and get him on the ground and finish that sack. And then the secondary has to hold on for too long. And, and Lawrence is able to, to kind of run around back there and extend the play and a guy's wide open. And it was some of the bigger plays that the Jaguars had today. So you know, it's simple stuff. It really is. It's, it's execution. And I know right now it's very bleak and I understand that. Like I said, right at the top, this team's much more likely right now to be picking in the top five than they are to, to, to end the streak of, you know, years without winning in the AFC South. It still comes down to simple execution. That that's where they're at right now. You know, somebody step up and make a play and turn things around and it can happen in a hurry. Uh, but even though it's only week two, it feels like they're running out of time. Oh, absolutely. Like, we've seen this team get out of one and five starts, right? But it's like, you're right. This tie, It's getting late very early here, George. That's for sure. And especially when you look at the defensive on that side of the ball to kind of wrap up this conversation, it's not like really outside of the one flea flicker the Texans used to start the, the second half with, there's been not a lot of, of things that either Jacksonville or Houston have done that's like tough to scheme or just impossible to stop. It's been pretty like, straight up where you're not going against elite talent on the offensive side of the ball, and you're not going against, you know, uh, an Andy an Andy Reid-like uh, play caller where there's just so much good, you know, play design and play scheme where it's just, you know, it confuses the defense. They're just getting basically beat straight up. Like you said, it comes down to execution right now, and the Texans and the Jaguars are making more consistent plays than a team we both picked to win the AFC South. That is, that's all you need to know. That's pathetic. That's pathetic, George. <laughs> 
that's what that's what it's come down to right now. They are getting outplayed by what's probably still the two worst teams in the division. I think Jacksonville's improved. I don't think Houston has, uh, but they're still the two worst teams in the division. I'd still put Tennessee ahead of both of them. Although now you, you wonder, I mean, maybe the Colts are one of the two worst teams in the division. The way things have gone right now, they're the worst team in the division. At this point, as we stand here right now, uh, following this week two loss in, in Jacksonville, you would have to say the Colts are the worst team in the division. I never thought it would say that, you know, we, we talked about it all summer. That was not the way this was headed. Uh, and they don't have a lot of time to turn around. I, I will say this, for whatever reason, this franchise is always determined to do things the hard way. And they put themselves again in that situation, two games that, that you could have got under your belt, put yourself in a nice little position, be 2-0, and have a couple wins in the division. When the hard games start coming, at least on paper, the hard games start coming, you let them both get away. And now, once again, you got to do things the incredibly hard way. Credit to Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, because I think they just want to give us more content, George. They want to, you know, make sure the Blue Horseshoe is a must listen. They don't, why be 11 and 2 in November and run away the division? When you, like you said, you could start 0 1 and 1 and have to climb your way out of another hole yet again. Uh, because, like you said, it, they, they just love misery. It's been the pit of misery so far the first two weeks. And, and why take the easy route when you can go, you know, make it as miserable and difficult and agonizing as possible, to say the least? I will say, George, I was hoping as we started this pod uh, this, this season, we would be the streak breakers. I break the week one streak, which they didn't do. I know they technically, you know, broke the losing streak, but they didn't get a, a win in the book. And now that the Jaguar streak does continue now since 2014, I don't know what we got to do ourselves, George, but we are not the answer. That's when, you know, these problems run deep and are bigger than just, you know, one person or one thing, because man, if we can't help unbreak these streaks so far, I don't think anything will. You don't want it on my shoulders. That's not, <laughs> I couldn't do that when I was younger. I'm definitely not going to be able to do it now that, at this advanced age, but no, it's, you know, it, it's, I think the frustrating thing right now is that this team, you feel like they haven't done anything near their potential. And I think, you know, if you come out and you play two good games and you have this results, you're feeling pretty bad about yourselves, but you can, there's something to hang your hat on. Uh, they've played two really bad games and they've let two winnable games get away. And now, once again, as it seems to be every year, uh, their backs are against the wall. they got a Kansas City team coming in next week that, that will have absolutely no sympathy for what, what's going on here in Indy. Uh, and th that improvement's going to have to come immediately. Uh, there, there's no other question. I mean, you think today was bad. You put that effort on, on the field in the home opener next week, and uh, there, there's going to be fans heading for the exits very early. And the calls for Frank Reich to go, the calls for Chris Ballard to go, will only get louder, will only get stronger. And, you know, Jim saying he's a fan. You know, he's not like a, a normal owner. He does, ha you know, have similar emotions uh, to almost all of our listeners here where it's you're kind of prisoner of the moment. We saw with Carson Wentz, that Week 18 Jacksonville game was the – that's it, boom. He, no, doesn't matter what the answer is. I just know he is not going to be here next year. And so if you're Frank Reich, Chris Ballard, well, I mean – could we'll talk this later on in the week, George? But already now, kind of looking ahead to next week, I don't think it's too crazy to say uh, Frank Reich might be coaching first job. I mean, you're in a situation right now where they're not going to survive this year if it continues like this. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. Ballard has said, you know, year in and year out, when we talk to him about quarterback situations, that you know, hey, you know, you want to really be up there high. That's how you get these guys. But if they are, he won't be the guy making the pick. And that's absolutely the case. And I think you're in the same boat 
you know, with, with Frank Reich right now. I mean, what you've seen the last three games in particular, but you can go back to that Raiders game as well. Uh, but the last three games in particular, they've looked like the worst team in the NFL for about 90% of those games. I mean, one quarter out of that entire stretch, would you say they didn't look like the worst team in the NFL going back to, to Jacksonville last year? And, you know, I don't look, you can you can find a, any reason you want. You can find any excuse you want. That's not going to be acceptable at this level. And I think he's well aware of that, too. So uh, one thing is, you know, we got to remember, Jim Irsay has never in his history fired a head coach during a season, you know. Uh, so, you know, are they going to push that this year? I don't know. Uh, but at this point, I can't look. Normally, I'm the one that's like, calm down. Let's look at everything, you know, look at the big picture and, and, and let's not overreact. You're Mr. Rational, George, which is all we need. But right now, I got to kind of agree with folks. I mean, it's there's no other way to spin it. You can it's not good enough. Period. There, there's no there's no cherry to put on this. There's no lipstick to put on this. There's no way of making this look better than what it is. It's an absolutely unacceptable start. And we'll see. You know, this team has pulled out of the situations like this in the past. Uh, this one feels different to me. It just does. I, I, in the past, it's, it's been better opponents that they've struggled yes. against like this. Uh, and, and you felt more of the, the good things that they were doing uh, right now. This is chaos. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. I think true. Finally, George, to kind of, you know, to, to end this pod, also, the, the what leads to the frustration, what leads to the heat on, on the seats, and what leads to this start feeling differently like than other past starts where the Colts got enough slow is this offseason, how the talk was. Week 18 against Jacksonville, you know, gutting one of the worst losses, and not the worst loss in franchise history, considering the circumstances. Then you talk all offseason, oh, we're going to learn from it, we're going to get better from it, we move the quarterback, we've changed our practice schedule. We have done all these things, whether it's addressing, you know, team needs and free agency in the draft, whether it's changing quarterbacks whether it's the way you practice to uh, to make sure that doesn't happen again. And really, this team, George, the first two weeks, look like they picked up exactly where this team left off. You have a few different names, a few different faces on the field for the Colts, but that Week 18 team that got their butts kicked by uh, Jackson up and down the field, they look very reminiscent to the first now, to, uh, the, the team that we've seen so far for the first two weeks. That is concerning when you talk all offseason – Oh, we're going to learn from him. We're different. We're not going to allow this to happen again. And now here we are two weeks in seeing identical football. And to, uh, today on Sunday, especially, felt like they literally picked right where they left back up and they just started playing quarters five through eight instead of a brand new game in Jacksonville. 100%. I couldn't agree more. Man, what a what an awful, awful, awful start to the season for the Colts. We'll talk about, you know, in the next midweek pod here, kind of, the, the, the Frank Reich and Chris Ballard hot seat, you know, how how hot are those seats? You know, is there a chance, like you mentioned before, Jim Mercer has never fired a head, uh, head coach at season. If this gets any uglier, I don't know if Jim Mercer, you know, Jim Mercer might not have a chance. We'll talk definitely about that on the midweek pod. But Colts fans, the, the first two weeks have not gone uh, how any of us would have thought. That's for sure. 24 nothing embarrassing loss to the Jaguars. Really now another 0-1, or not another, but a 0-1-1 start is... Another disappointing start to another season. It feels like deja vu all over again. So between now and then, make sure you check out George on Twitter at GM Brummer. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey. And the number three will give you our thoughts on the Colts throughout the week. We will be back Wednesday morning to get you all set and ready to go here 
uh, to get as the Colts do welcome the Chiefs into uh, into Lucas Oil Stadium for the first game, and we'll see how hot are the seats under Frank Reich and Chris Bowden. Remember, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you on Wednesday on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.